When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to another edition of the Panther Hoops and Family Podcast. Each week throughout the UNI basketball season, we bring you a dose of the Panther program as we sit down with head coach Ben Jacobson and also hear from special guests from the Panther family, including players, assistant coaches, and alumni. This week, along with touching base with Coach Jake on where the team stands six games into conference play, the episode will also feature a theme, buzzer beaters. My Panther Hoops alumni conversation is with Paul Jesperson. Now a member of the Atlanta Hawks player development staff, Paul and I caught up about his life after graduation, his memories of being a Panther, and what it means to be a part of this program. Also this episode, I'm joined by current Panther, Michael Duax, to discuss his background and the makeup of this year's team. Panthers are 8-8 eight eight overall and 4-2 and in Valley play after winning their last two conference matchups over Valpo and Southern Illinois. Subscribing to the Panther Point of View also gets you the latest highlights after each Panther basketball game delivered right to your favorite podcast app. Catch every game live along the Panther Radio Network or anywhere you are via the Varsity Network app. This week with Coach Jake, I started with a discussion of Panther fans' impact when they get loud at the McLeod Center. The the, the crowds have been been really good. Uh, uh, you know, and that's... Uh, uh, I, I get uh, you know people that I'm talking with or, or hear from um, as you know in a normal course of a season. Um, the uh, it just it, they seem to enjoy watching these guys play dub, and uh, you know this group is a uh, you know first time playing together and, and the young guys and new guys and and that it uh, uh, so they haven't had. They don't have, uh, uh, you know, uh, a couple seasons stacked up or a championship already behind them as as a group, right? We had a, we had a championship last year, uh, but um, so the it just you know the fans that have come and the crowds that we've had for you know our November December have been good, and I think it's I just I think it's a direct result of they know when they come to the gym when, to watch this team play, they're going to play really really hard, and people like that. Yeah, they uh, um, yeah, people also like winning, right? They're gonna they're gonna show up when um, as you win. But 
there's a part of it, right? They, people will always come if they know you're going to give your best. And that's what we've seen from this team. So that's, that's been enjoyable. And that, and then to um, what it does in terms of the impact of the game, man, you just never know. Is it worth two points tonight? Is it worth five? Is it worth seven? Is it worth nine? You just don't know depending on the game. You know what it's going to do. Uh, you know you catch catch the other team, and you have enough. You know you have enough of a run, and and all of a sudden it turns into an eleven-two run um, that you maybe don't get if you don't have the crowd there that night. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely a <clears throat> certainly an impact. It's just man, some nights it's some nights it it wins the game for you. You know, and some nights it helps you keep it closer, and you know maybe some nights you're not playing quite as good, and they get you going. So yeah, yeah, no doubt they, the crowds have been good. Um, and it uh, and it matters. Focusing on that Southern game, three things that stand out to me just about the game and thinking back on it. Obviously, the defensive effort that you had to do against a, a good guy in Damascus who's, who's going to get his points, and then just another great guard, too, on the other side that can go out and score. The way you had to find ways to score against their good defense, and then in the scheme of the game, they cut it to a two-point game with three minutes to go, and you held them to one point after that. Of those three things, what sticks out to you the most that was maybe the most impressive about what your team was able to do to turn that into a win on Saturday? It, it probably Probably the the last one holding them off, um, and you know, holding them off may not be the correct way to say it. Being able to, um, you know, put a, put a kind of put a stop to that, and then make the make the plays that we had to make to to push the lead back up, and <clears throat> and you know get to, you know get across the finish line. That's probably of the three. Uh, having thirty five points at halftime was was really you know impressive for us as their as their coaches you know the way that we moved the basketball in the first half and the opportunities that we found and to get 35 and a half against southern and the way they're playing they're always good defensively uh, but they're coming in on and where their defense had really um, dominated large portions of games and and you know we we uh they certainly did that in the second half right they found a couple spots in the second half where we couldn't get we really couldn't get anything that was that was very efficient, um, and then they, you know, they can do that to you. So, um, but I would, and then, and then with the mask, you know, really liked limiting his uh, opportunities in terms of shots around the basket, and then um, his opportunities, and he made some great passes. But the opportunities um, to really get guys shots, and he got them some at different times in the game. But the the number of great opportunities that he's you know, getting a lot of nights and he's capable of getting, we were able to limit those some. And that, that, uh, that obviously mattered in the game. The offense in the first half was big. Um, but I, I think the, uh, man, you love seeing those young guys. <laughs> you love seeing Cole make a big play. You know, he's, he's, he's just in a different role now. Right. So yeah, I think, man just the the way we were able to, to to finish that thing you bring up that cold play and i've thought about that a couple of times he did the same thing basically when you played towson at the united center right he had some of those last finishing buckets as you guys again had spread the game out what makes him right for that role and and what will give him success as teams now notice hey it's not just going to be there yeah they'll put it in bowen's hands in times too but that was bow setting a screen that time for him to get that action started what where does that come from to have the confidence to put that in his hands yeah he's he's always Always won a lot. Cole has, you know, the state championship in high school and, and you know, their success in high school. Their football team was good when he was playing quarterback for him. He, he's he's always won a lot. And uh, um, and I listened to to the podcast that uh, that had Cole on it. And I know you guys talked a lot about his family and his mom and dad. And his dad has won a lot. And and Cole's right now he's learning about that with our team and the role he's in. You know, he's he's been. Uh, 
you know, he's been highly valuable in, in the time that he's been here, but now he's in a role where um, he's learning about, um, you know, what he is capable of with this team or at this level. Um, and he, what we're finding out is he's able to do some of the things in terms of winning plays at key times that he was doing when he was, you know, playing basketball or football in, in high school or what he was doing when he was watching his dad's teams play, like, um, or learning about it at that time. So, uh, yeah, I think we're, I think Cole's finding out about it. We're finding out about it and we're, and we're very comfortable and very confident with him with the ball in his hands at, uh, um, you know, at some key times. That also sparked something from that Saturday game with a different guy who, who kind of did the same thing. You talked about how good of a game Landon Wolf had on really both ends of the floor, but you talk about that run that they made. He had the bucket that ended the run. He made a key pass to Cole at one point. Do you think this team as a whole is is growing in that way specifically since really since just early December in figuring out the plays that you need to make to win? Yeah, the, you know, a couple things that, that that come to mind with the, with these guys like James and and Cole. Uh, you know, just their their role has been very different until right now, and uh, so now they've now they've got some games and some game minutes to that have stacked up for them and some experiences, and um, and they've had so you you just gain a comfort level, right? And and then you go to the the younger guys, you, know, you go with the freshmen with Mike and and Trey and Landon, and um, it just you you got you've got to play some games, you know, and and for Trey and Mike, their their comfort level has come a little sooner because they've played more minutes. You know, right, they've been in the starting lineup, and they have played a lot of minutes in the first 15 games. Landon's minutes have been different. You know, there's uh, maybe Towson. I think he was over 30 minutes. Um, he's had some games in the 20 minutes, and he's had some games where he's played eight to 12 minutes. And so he, you know, he knows he's going in at the first media timeout, right, right before it, right after it. You know, he's known that for a while, but after that, you know, his minutes have, you know, been different right so the consistency of minutes for trey and mike have and the in the, the sheer number of them have allowed them to find that comfort level that confidence and okay this is what i got to get done and this is where to, you know i got to get um, get a little bit better here as fast as i can you know landon's um, have started to stack up right and uh and then landon puts in a lot of time you know he puts in a lot of time outside of practice a lot of time you know you know watching film and uh, but he, for for us, as 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 we've seen it, I think his last two, and he had a really good game against Towson. But I think his last two, Dub, have been just terrific. You know, for him to, you know, it feels like he's leveled up now a little bit and just got a different different comfort level, different confidence level. From your perspective, when you look at Landon Wolf, Trey Campbell, guys who, you know, obviously early in their career, they're going to be up and down on the offensive side. You have confidence in what they can do offensively, but sometimes it just doesn't come on a single night. But what I've seen, from my perspective, they haven't carried that with them to the other end of the floor. Certainly, Trey, it's it hasn't affected. How difficult is that? And do you see that, too, that they're able to compartmentalize and say, all right, offense is one thing, but I'm still over here and I can make an impact on this end of the floor? You know, Trey, Trey has, has been um... – at a little higher level defensively uh, than, than I than I thought he might be, um, you know, simply because he he wasn't that wasn't a part of what um, he needed to do with the high school team. Okay, so he, you know, until you see a guy do it, you know, on a nightly basis against really good players, you know, you just you don't know. We've you know we felt like, and again I've I've said this before, I've watched him play, you know, since uh, him and Hunter were together the whole way up right grew up together and played all the way through so i've watched trey for for years and always been just been highly impressed with um, his ability to compete yeah, I mean, he's got that he's got that competitive spirit that that uh um you know it, it really drives him and um 
but didn't know defensively, okay, how would he be against the, the little point guard against South Florida? You know, and he went on him, and he, he did a really good job. You know, how would he be against Lance Jones? Like, how is he going to do that for, how is he going to do that for, for 30, 35 minutes? And, hey, look, Jones, yeah, okay, Jones, Jones is the better player right now. And uh, but Jones is three years older, right? And and, and so what that that excites me that you know Trey really competed hard in that game and did a really good job um, defensively. Uh, Jones is going to get; he's doing it against everybody. He's going to get to the basket. He's going to get he's going to get points because he's a really really good player. And uh, um, but I tell you what excites me about it is the way Trey competed in that game against Jones, and it's okay, you know. And not a comparison between Trey being uh, like Jones as a player, but just the growth because we saw Jones as a freshman, and now we're seeing him three years later. Like man, Trey's, Trey's good right now, and three years from now, he, he's he's going to be really, really, really good. So, um, really liked what he's done defensively. The ability, like you said, to, regardless how it's going on offense, Trey's done a great job of going down and guarding. And then Landon's learning more about that. You know, Landon's such a good offensive player, and um, that's that's an area where he's worked hard to be able to separate the two. Okay? So he's, he's working really hard at that. Um, and that's where the last two games, I think he's taken a really big step forward in terms of being able to come down defensively, communicate, get your feet on the ground, move them, um, you know, be physical, like do the things that we need you to do defensively no matter what's going on down there on offense. Like Landon's working really hard at that, and the last two games have been, been great for him that way. I'll have more with Coach Jake in just a moment. Coming up for the Panthers, two of the three new faces in the Valley. Murray State comes to town Tuesday the 10th at 7. Then the Panthers travel to Belmont for a 4 o'clock tip on Saturday the 14th. For tickets, visit unipanthers.com slash tickets or call the ticket office at 319-273-4849. Now let's get more from Coach Jay. I think uh, we're almost 10 minutes into recording and I, and I haven't brought up Titan Anderson yet. And that's, you know, <laughs> that's not something that should probably happen with this team because of how impactful he is. I, I thought it was interesting on Saturday. I, I looked eventually at the box score or I look at the box score as the game's going on and he only, quote unquote, has 10 points, but he's got 10 boards. So he's got another double-double. It felt like he was even more impactful in that game than that, right? Than 10 and 10. It felt like the same level of impact he was having if he had scored 25. What did you like about Titan's game knowing he was taking on a defensive challenge that maybe he hadn't up until this point and having a bigger role on that end of the floor. Yeah, you know, his his ability to make the catches a little bit tougher for Damask, you know, and we you know, we doubled him on the ball screen. You know, James and Cole did a good job of getting out there and, and stopping him and getting the ball out of his hands. Um, and then when he did catch it on the block, um, we were sending a second defender. And But in saying that, you know, Titan really, uh, you know, really took on that challenge of making it, doing his work early. And making it as hard as he could, and you know, physically, you know, battling and just making it. What you hope to do is make it a long night, you know, for a guy like Damask who is so good and, and impacts the game in in different ways. Um, you just want it to be a just want it to be a hard night, and and Titan did that, you know. So he's battling and he knows he's got to limit his touches when he can. He knows he's got to uh, you know fight him for spots early, so he's got to catch it. You know, maybe he catches it three or four feet out so now the double's closer like just all of those little things within the within the game and, and within playing against a, a high level scorer a, and a terrific passer and an experienced guy he Titan worked so hard to get that stuff done and then to go get a couple key baskets go get 10 rebounds to your point though like that what he did defensively was and that's the most 
uh, you know, thinking about it, you know, that's the most he's had to do, I think, defensively over the course of the 40 minutes. And, you know, we took him out in the first half. Damask was out. We got tightened out. And I thought, hey, we're going to give him a good two and a half, three, three and a half minutes here. And Damask went in like 90 seconds later. And I <laughs> turned right around. And I said, you you good? And he said, yep. He's yeah, never going to yeah, say no. Yeah. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, we knew we needed him on him. And, and uh, yeah, he did he did a good job. You go Bowen Bourne's game, and, and again, he's another guy you could always just lead with and talk about. He was battling. You, you talk about you want to find him minutes of rest anyway. Even if he's 100% healthy, you want to make sure Bowen's not going out there. He's still dealing with some stuff. He's not 100% healthy right this, now, and he's still battling through. What impressed you about against a tough defense? We talked about how much Lance Jones can bother anybody who's handling the ball. What impressed you about how Bowen was able to still go out there and make his impact offensively? Yeah, his uh, the start of the game was important. And he gets five quick points. And those that that's not by accident. Like he he Bowen knows. He knows. He knew. He knows. And our guys do right. There's, we have other guys in the Titan knew. You you could see the way he was def- defending Damask from the 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 moment the ball went up. Like Titan knew, and Bowen knew. And th- those first five points, like I said, they were no accident. Like that, he knew what it meant to get some points. So. That impact, and, and his teammates know that, right? They feel that, and and that's uh, um, that that that's it's such an important part of this is to have guys that that not only know, hey, we got you know we got a good team coming in, and we're playing pretty good, and like this is going to be a fun game, and it's going to be a, a hard game, and and that's going to make it more fun, and like, uh, but also to have guys that understand that those little things that that uh, uh, maybe not. Seems so obvious, right? But uh, but Bowen, he he knew those five points mattered, and his teammates knew. Like I said, so um, that was important. Yeah, you know, the step back three in front of the bench was important. You know, they, they, right? They they had they had found their you know they had just found their uh, footing defensively, and it had gotten a lot harder for us at that at our offensive end. And and you know, Bowen again, he he knows, and he knocking in that three was was really important. So. Um, and then it's you know he's he's found a you know the McNeese game and the South Florida game. Well, we learned a lot uh, as a staff. Uh, Bowen learned through the you know he just he wasn't as aggressive in those two games. You know they went to box and won on him. Um, you know the point guard from South Florida really went after him and, and knew he had a challenge and, and he did a good job with it. Um, and they trapped him on everything. Um, and so again, we we just learned a lot about the way we need to what we need to be talking about and the way we need to approach things and coming out of those two Bowen's been back to what he was doing right before those two okay so um yeah he he uh, uh and the reason I guess I went back to that is you know when Southern got to him with two guys same thing right he's getting it out of there quick so that we can play advantage basketball we can play our four on three or our three on two he doesn't fight that you know he knows he's got to be and this is what I tell this is what we tell him like you are going to be Ultra aggressive, and what that means we'll find out. You beat a guy around the hip and go score it, score it. They do a good job of getting two to you, and they get and they and they got and get it out quick. And so we got to like, but both of those things, the, the it's going to start with you being who you are, super aggressive, and 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 uh, and that's been he's been great with that. You know, the last you know the start up until the two games we talked about, and he's been great since. 
bigger picture. One five of six now at this point. You know, there's still so much to go. I, I think it's funny. I was me and Kevin Boyle were talking during that game. You guys playing so well. There's 15 minutes to go, and KB looks up and goes, "Man, I wish there was only five minutes left." Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just feels like you know there's so much still to come. That's how the season kind of feels right now, right? Uh, but what impresses you when you think about this six games as a whole? Where you guys started before you, you know, kind of. I guess it would be going into that Towson game, right? That was the first of these six. Where you were then to where you are now, knowing that you still have more to do, what's impressed you most about this kind of stretch of basketball that your team has been able to to put together with everything that had gone on prior to that? For a young team to not get caught up in our record prior to Towson is, is uh, either the what I'm most impressed with or certainly one of the two things I'm most impressed with that because that's that's hard not to get caught up in that um, when you haven't played together for a couple of years you know last year we we were slow out of the gates November December and we had we had a very good roster older talented um, a lot of those guys had won the championship in 2020 like going into the year we were and I think we were picked to win and I'm not pot but I I think we were anyway the November, December, we had some struggles, and our record was not very good. Now, we had some guys hurt, and we had you know, just those types of things, right? We had guys out, and an older team can understand that, right? And they, they can they can see past that. Okay, when we get, you know, Trey's a little healthier, and, and Noah had, had something early on. Okay, Noah get a little healthier. When AJ gets some games under his belt after his hip surgeries, he's just getting back. Like, older guys and a team, guys that have been together, like, they can see past all that. This team hasn't, right, this this group hasn't played together, so you don't have that to, to lean on. So that, I think, is what I, you know, they, they didn't let that slow them down. Uh, they didn't let that, uh, you know, sidetrack them, if you will, in terms of, us telling them as a staff, hey, it, the when the game's over, it, you got to get back to work. Like that's the thing, and you've heard me talk to the guys about it. Like when the game's over, let's get back to work, right? So we get better, and so we we're, we're just we're not into uh, you know the result of the game. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Well, sure it matters, right? But it doesn't matter in the way of what we got to do next. And we're, we're just we're into okay, uh, hey, what are we doing next? Well, let's get up and get to work, like. I've been really impressed with their ability to do that as a young team when um, our record was what it was before the Towson game. And um, so now here we are, and as you mentioned, you know, the way it's gone here in the last six, they haven't changed either, right? And that's the whole key is, and that's, you know, it's, it's uh, I think one of the reasons why it's just never, you know, the record, the numbers, it's just never meant anything for us as a program because you've got to get up the next day and you got to go if you want to be in it in February. You've got a pretty key week, two weeks coming up here. When you look at how many teams are stacked at four and two, you're going to be playing a lot of these teams that have gotten out to the same start in conference play. As we're sitting here, you're looking ahead to a week at Murray State and then at Belmont. How crucial is this next stretch, knowing that you could segment the season wherever you want, but these next four or five games against teams that are right now in the middle of the pack is going to be big to set you up for the final stretch run. Yeah, you know, I, uh, um, you know, big picture, uh, you know, that that uh, you're you're right on, Doug. But I, I uh, what I would tell you is I don't do we we I don't do big picture right now, <laughs> right? I just we just don't, you know, it. Uh, um, and I look at the standings after every, uh, you know, Saturday, if we have six games, I look at them on, you know, that night, you know, I like to look at them. I do. I, I, I like to look at them. I see, I, I like seeing what teams are doing. I like to see where things are at. 
but I don't go to the next step of, you know, um, who do we play next and who do we play after that and who do we play after that and, okay, if you can do – but I, you know, I love looking at him to just see what everybody's doing. I am a, I'm a, a, a junkie that way with college hoops, and I look at all the scores on a Saturday night of all the teams in the country, and I, I just, I enjoy that, and I do it with our team, right? So, but what I, what I, uh, what we haven't done, what I, what, uh, what I've never gotten into is, man, we got, you know, three out of four here, man. Looks like we could get these, and oh man, then we would be in this position. Like, <laughs> so, and my, my, my point being. The same thing we talked about with the guys going into Towson, that that stretch there when our record was what it was. These six games with the way we're playing now and, and the results being what they are and the record very different at 5-1, and one, like nothing changes for us as a program other than, hey, we got to get up and get to work the next day. And so, you know, you win a game against Southern at 1 in the afternoon, and I told the guys this, like, you, hey, everybody does this different. Some of you guys will turn the page right now. And you want to start thinking about Murray, okay? Some of you guys will enjoy it for a couple hours and, you know, go have, you know, dinner with your families and they'll maybe go home and then you'll start thinking about Murray. Some of you guys are, you know, going to going to think about this and enjoy it for the rest of the day and get up tomorrow morning and start thinking about Murray. I'm good with any of them. Like, uh, we're not a, hey, immediately, hey, we just beat Southern and, and at 3.15, you better be thinking about Murray. That I'm good with any, you know, Everybody handles that part different, and I want the guys to be able to enjoy things when we when we have a day like we did against Southern. So we do. We enjoy that. But, yeah, the next day, with the way this is, you're going to play, right, every third or fourth day or whatever it is. Like, for us, the, it's about that next day when you get up. you got to get back to work. Uh, yeah, that's a long answer to that, to, the, to, to that one, Doug. But it just, you know, I've just, we've always felt that way. Fun to look at, but you don't need to focus on that. All right, uh, the two guests, one player guest, Michael Duax, one alumni guest, Paul Jesperson. We talked reasoning there. Joel Waters went back and, and said those are the last two buzzer beaters. Michael, what he did at Valpo, and then, of course, Jesperson, what he did in the tournament against Texas. So let's start with Michael and what you've gotten to learn about him over the last year plus, his redshirt year, and now seeing him play. What? Uh, how would you describe Michael Duax to someone who, who just walked up and hadn't seen him play or hadn't talked to him at all? How would you describe Michael Duax? <laughs> He's going to play as hard as he can for as long as he can. That, I don't um, – man, he just is. He's going to give you everything he's got on every possession at both ends. And uh, um, he's really competitive that way. Um, and then he's, you know, he's a guy that has uh, – he has – he's capable of making so many plays. You know, he's he's got – you know he's got good size at six five. He's physically um, for a you know, young guy or not a young guy, like physically so strong and so powerful. Like he's got a talent level that that he's able to do a lot of things. But the reason he's he's getting them done is because he plays so hard. Yeah, you know, and I, I, one of the things that we like about Mike so much is he he really enjoys it. Like he does, like he just really enjoys it. He, he enjoys competing. He enjoys coming to practice. He enjoys just being around his teammates. And he, he just, he really, really, uh, really likes it. Just really enjoys it. And that's that's a fun feel to have around your team and around your program. Is when guys, you know, they, it, it doesn't feel like a job. Because okay? we don't ever want it to be that way. There's times where it gets to feel that way because the season can get long or, yeah, whatever it might be, but but Mike just man, he enjoys it. Um, 
But I, like I said, where I started, Dub, he, he he's going to play as hard as he can for as long as he can. Like the, the game started, and you know he's a young guy. You know, Bowen starts that game by getting us five points. Titan starts that game. You could see immediately he was him and Damask were going to have a have a great battle, and you could see it. Mike starts that game by reaching out by half court. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah. right? I mean, he he's just going to yeah. play as hard as he can for as long as he Doesn't can. Doesn't matter where or when. He's, he's going to go gonna get it. it. Yeah. Uh, is is he Coach Hogan's favorite player just because he's from Dubuque, too? All that plus the Dubuque. I mean, come on. It's, it's, he's got to be. Those two guys sticking together. Out of yeah, those, those, two, those two guys spend a lot of time together. <laughs> they, they spend a lot of time together. Yeah. All right. Then Paul Jesperson, obviously a moment can come to mind for anybody when they think of that. You had a lot more moments with him. When you think of Paul, what, what do you think of uh, as far as what he meant to this program on the whole, even outside of his shot against Texas? Yeah, he was a uh, – he was uh, uh, you know, and it's this isn't directly tied to that shot. That That's a longer shot, of course. Um, he, he, was a, he was a clutch guy. He just was. You know, I, I – uh, um, he he made it. Just feels like you know he didn't make all of them in the in the in the two years, uh, but man, it sure felt like he made them all. <laughs> all the ones that mattered. Really, you know, yeah. Against North Carolina, we're we're in a really tough spot in the home game against Carolina, and and uh, um, he gets a couple of threes, and all of a sudden the building change. Him and Bohannon, and the building changes, and they don't sit down for the last twelve thirteen minutes, and we we were down. I don't know if it was eighteen, uh, but it what it was either sixteen or eighteen, I think. Um, but the game felt like it was over. There was plenty of time, but it felt like it was over. And all of a sudden, Paulie I think makes two, and Bo makes one, and you got a. And he just did that a lot, where important time everybody knew it, and Paulie was going to make a three. Uh, you know, he was going to do something in it. Um, and then the other the other thing is just how much he, how much time he invested into the game, and how much he loves the game of basketball. Like he was, he was in the gym all the time. And then in our conversations talking about, you know, just a you know, handful of different things surrounding the game and maybe where he was at in the rotation. And, um, you know, he didn't start his first year off his redshirt with us. And then he started as a senior and, and just those conversations he and I had coming off that redshirt year. Cause we had a, we had an older team and we had a really good roster and there were two or three guys, I think three guys on our bench that had started either for us or for other division one teams. We had eight guys that had been starters at this level, uh, and uh, just a lot of conversations surrounding that. And through those conversations, of just how much he loves the game of basketball it, it has always stood out to me. Um, and now, you know, fun, not, not any surprise that he's continued to do it. And, and he's continued to do it at a high level. And, and uh, you know, he's doing really well for the Atlanta Hawks and, and on a good track. And I could see him doing this for a long, long time because he loves it. And he's got whatever that is. You know, it matters in coaching too. Like he's got that. Like he's going to come up with the right stuff at the right times. And and the guy, a head coach or an assistant that's uh, maybe a full time guy's gonna be like, man, this Je- Jesperson keeps coming up with these good ideas. Like this guy, this dude's clutch. Like he just he has that about him. So uh, yeah, really proud of what he's doing. Thanks to head coach Ben Jacobson for his time each and every week to discuss the latest in Panther men's basketball. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Panther Point of View Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts to hear every episode of the Panther Hoops and Family Podcast. 
This week's first special guest is current Panther Michael Duax. After being inserted into the starting lineup when Nate Heisey suffered an injury, Duax has seized his opportunity and continued to improve game over game. He has scored in double figures in seven of the last 14, posted a pair of double doubles, has become a lockdown defender, and also put up one of the shots of the year with his putback winner at Valpo. I started my conversation with Michael, the youngest of five Duax boys, with a question I'm sure we're all wondering. All of you have played college ball. Mm-hmm. Three of them played at upper. Two are still going to play at upper still this year, right? Correct. Two yes. left at upper this year. So the question of all five of you, who's the best? <laughs> I get that question a lot, actually. <laughs> uh, when we were younger, it was always... I don't know. It's always been competitive, and it's tough to choose because we've played a lot of games of just one-on-one in the driveway and stuff. And, I mean, it's overall pretty split. used to go, like, two-on-two, three-on-three, so it's like it was tough to tell. But I think as we're starting to get a little bit older, I don't know. I think I could safely say I kind of have an edge on them a little bit now. Just a little bit, yes. I like to say If you ask them, they probably won't agree, but got to go with it. It's the little 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 brother of it all. They're, yep, they're, yep. they're never going to agree I with know. you. <laughs> but the, the thing that strikes me is your dad was a Panther, but he played football. Correct. Like, so how does that happen? He a, did. a football player ends up with four basketball players. I know. He just kind of – I mean, both my parents did a great job of letting us figure it out. I mean, I only played baseball and basketball. I guess I played football in seventh grade, but <laughs> that didn't really count. Um, But, like, my brothers played soccer, and they never really – persuaded us into playing any sport we all just kind of figured it out ourselves so everyone played baseball in high school except me so I only played basketball but we all got to the point where it's just like we loved the the high intensity of basketball and you know baseball is kind of a social sport a little more relaxed with nothing against baseball but we all just love the high speed intensity the competitiveness of basketball so we all just kind of figured it out ourselves and I mean, when everyone, like, it's just so easy to go outside and play a game of basketball, whether you have two guys, three guys, four guys, so it just kind of worked out like that. Listen, I love baseball, too, and I've called a lot of baseball, but I get what you're saying because that's what people have always told me. I talk too fast for baseball. Like, I have to slow <laughs> no, it down. I know. But it's, basketball, I'm ready to it go. It works out Let's perfectly, roll. yeah. I like it. So your parents, obviously, hands off to their credit, like letting you guys make your own decisions and be your own guys. Mm-hmm. But how much do you think, seeing your brothers and, and what they went on and did you're all fairly close in age so it's not like they were super old and gone right. and you were done but h- how much did they them playing basketball become kind of just kind of the group mentality for yeah. you guys that they kind of influenced no you? It, it did help out a lot because i mean even just when they were always like a few years older than me they're not that much older than me but they'd go they were always like a couple steps ahead of me and they would find out new things and then come back home and teach it to me so whether that's coming home from even even as we got older and they're bringing home workouts from college back home to me and like I'm going through their college workouts just with my brother and I like or their lifting program they'd come home and bring home a lifting program so it's so nice to have brothers that have gone through what I'm about to go through just so you can kind of get a step ahead and get that experience in and it's just it's helped out a lot so three of you are still going to be playing all things being equal this winter how your parents handle that like yeah getting into all these games and figure (laughs) out what they're going to do I mean they do it is super busy for them but they they love it they love traveling to all of our games and stuff it worked out pretty well last year because I redshirted last year so there wasn't really a need to be at our games as much um 
but that's a good question. I don't know how they're going to do it now. Especially it was bad when it was really tough when I was in high school and then there was college games going because my oldest played at Platteville and then Connor transferred from Oshkosh. So it's there was three different colleges and a high school like it was just it was really busy for them but like i said that's what they love that's keeping the keeping the google calendar hot i know trying to yep, keep everything yep. straight. <laughs> i know i like it so we mentioned your dad played panther football did, did he have any stories he'd share with you guys about his time on campus that you guys remember was that kind of his was he a storyteller uh, much or? he wasn't um from the football aspect he only played for a year or two so he, he was a punter um I'm not really too sure why he just decided to be done, but it's I a mean, rough life being a punter it, sometimes. <laughs> no, it's not easy. Yeah. yeah, they don't get as much credit. But yeah. um, I don't. I never heard much stories from him. But nice thing is, so both my parents did go to you and I, and I mean a lot of their. There's all these relationships, people that knew my parents. So, like, I hear from other people stories about <laughs> my parents at college, which sometimes I understand why they didn't tell me when they were in college. Right. So, it's, I don't know. It's nice having that kind of family relationship here. And I have a couple sets of aunts and uncles that live here in Cedar Falls, too. So, it's just, it's it does feel like a home. I kind of know quite a few people. There's always relationships. Like, if I need someone, I could reach out to, I mean, a bunch of people. So, yeah, it's just it's been nice kind of following in their footsteps, being a Panther. And so maybe part of it's that, and, and obviously I'm sure it's a, at least a small part of it, but when you got the opportunity to come here and got the offer, what made your decision for you to, to come and, and be a Panther? I think that was a huge part of it. Um, it's close to home, about an hour and a half. And like I said, the family relationships, like having family up here helped. But I'd say, honestly, it was more just the – overall relationships not even having anything to do with with my family just the coaches were always super close to me when they were recruiting me and um the players too because at the time Noah would have been here and he went to Dubuque um and there was just a bunch of kind of local Iowa guys that I knew at UNI and it's just I every time I came up on a visit or played it with an open gym with them I, I just felt super welcomed and just I felt like I fit in right away so it's I mean relationships are huge players and coaches and that was a huge reason why I decided to come here I just want to touch on one more thing on on you and your brothers Mm -hmm. obviously as players I'm sure there's things you have in common and I'm sure there's things as players that each of you might do a little bit better or just do a little bit differently what do you think is the skill that you have in comparison to your brothers that you bring to the table that's maybe all your own yeah um I don't know if this is the case for kind of being the youngest in every family, but I've thought about this before. It's kind of worked out that I, I'm i kind of a blend of all my brother's abilities, which it makes sense, like growing up just playing one-on-one against Robert and then Connor and Lucas and Max. Like, you pick up different moves. Robert, uh, he he wasn't the most athletic in the family. I, like, I'm... Sorry, Robert, but (laughs) he was just a really good natural scorer, pull-up jumper, and not saying that's a huge part of my game, but just Connor was a physical, more of a big body presence. Lucas, um, he can get to the hoop pretty well, make some combo moves. And Max, shooter, he's kind of similar to Robert. He's a shooter, quick ball handler. And not that I'm super great at any of those. Like, I'm not... amazing strictly just a shooter but I just kind of have a piece of all of their games that put together and then that's kind of my game and defense comes from I'd say Lucas and Max they're both 
both great defenders at Upper Iowa. They're yeah, they both take pride in steals and just like playing hard, getting up in their face and yeah, causing a giving the giving the their opponent a tough time. They're pretty and they're pretty annoying to play against. And <laughs> I, I told you, I mean, I called some of the games. I saw yeah, that. They, speaking they, from experience, yeah. they're always they feel, you just feel like they're always kind of right next to you. Can't get a, can't get away from them. I'll have more with Michael Duax in just a moment. Subscribing to the Panther Point of View also gets you the latest highlights after each Panther basketball game, delivered right to your favorite podcast app. Catch every game live along the Panther Radio Network or anywhere you are via the Varsity Network app. Now back to my conversation with Michael Duax. You're amongst a group of, of quote-unquote new guys. There's a lot of guys that can be newly impactful for this team that maybe even though they've been around the program for a while, but you're at the other end, a newer guy coming in uh, still at this point. What's that group like, the, the younger guys on, on this Panther team of, of which you are one? Like, What's it like to, to kind of be at the start of your journeys together with those other guys? Yeah, no, it's great having other guys in a similar position as me. Um, they're all super fun to play with the experienced guys and the new guys and everyone just competes like it's uh, practices are fun because it's just such a competitive energy if you walk into the gym you could just feel the competitive spirit and energy and that's that's what makes everyone better experienced guys or new guys we're coming in and pushing the older guys to get better and they're teaching us and leading us so it's like everyone kind of feeds off each other's energy and it's just yeah, it's great to have other guys uh, going through, other new guys going through the same stuff you are. So it's just, you could talk to them about it, learn different things from them, see what their perspective is on the, all the new, I mean, it's a new experience for all of us. So it's just, it's fun to have other people there with you. When you look at the number of guys, most of the guys, obviously from the state of Iowa, kind of had maybe similar experiences that you did in high school or maybe similar towns that you, actually mm-hmm. some smaller towns than, than where you, you grew up too. Yeah. Uh, what does that do for this team, having guys from the state of Iowa and those Iowa guys that can kind of come together and, and be a unit like that? Yeah, it it's it does. I think it does build a closer relationship because – I mean, all the Cedar Falls guys, Landon, Chase, Hunter, Trey, I played against them in high school for multiple years. Chase, I grew up playing AAU basketball with him, and I've I've known Landon going to, even though he played Barnstormers, I played Martin Brothers, but going to camps and stuff, like you, you see all these other Iowa guys. So whether you were super close back then or same team, different team, uh, it's just having that background, knowing each other, makes it the transition coming into here. I mean, right away, it felt like I was just super close with all of them, the whole team. So even guys that were here who were older than you, you see them at AAU tournaments, you could talk to them. And I have a bunch of older brothers, so even if I didn't play with some of the guys here, uh, my brothers did. Like, I know Max played with Cole Henry, Derek um, Krogs, so it's just... Yeah, and I think all coming from Iowa, that's helped out a lot. When you look at this team, and if someone came up to you from outside the program wanted you to describe this team this year, like the group that you have, how would you describe it to them, whether it's what you do on the floor or what you guys do off the floor? I'd say just a bunch of guys that want to work hard, compete. There's not a single player. There's never an issue at practice about guys that aren't playing hard enough. It's just... I mean, some teams you play with, it's like the coach has to tell you to work hard and play hard, but every practice, it's, I mean, that's something that 
they don't have to tell us. We just come in and compete right away. So that just, I mean, when they're telling us, like when they're stopping drills and telling us we have to play harder, and that just wastes time and it's something you shouldn't have to tell. So it's just it's fun going into it knowing that you're going to get better because you guys are competing. Do you think that kind of practice has to come from each individual player? Like, obviously, there's a great culture here that, that Coach Jake has, has kind of instilled mm-hmm. in all of this. But, yeah. but does most of it still have to come from you guys individually taking on that ownership? I'd say a little bit, yeah. Um, it also helps, like, some people – I mean, you're going to have days where you're not feeling your best, but just ha- knowing that there's a bunch of other guys who kind of depend on you to compete, like – they don't want you on your team if you're gonna if you're not gonna work hard. So just, I mean, yeah, Coach Jake has established that culture that you it's a competitive culture, but it is up to each guy to come in. Like you got to lock in before practice and come into practice with that um, kind of that mindset that you're gonna compete and get better. When other teams see the Panthers on the schedule this year, what do you want the first thought to be in their head when they think about having to play you guys? I think just defensively, is they're going to be a pain to play against because we do, we do pride ourselves on defense. Um, the little things like playing in there's all the smallest details, playing in the gap, gap help. You, you get by one guy, there's going to be another guy coming to rotate and help, and just I, and we play fast. So it just if you're another team, um, kind of I feel like they won't, they feel like they wouldn't have a break against us, like playing us fast on the defensive end and then we get it and go right away on the offensive end so it's just non-stop all right let's uh let's talk a couple quick ones before we talk about maybe your studies a little bit and, and what you're looking forward to this season who's the biggest joker on the team biggest joker i gotta go with chase whether it's intentional or not <laughs> chase Corvus is just a funny kid so yeah he's he's a guy that'll make everyone laugh in the locker room whether like i said whether he's trying to be funny or not he's just some people it works out <laughs> yeah it works out some people have got it mm-hmm. all right you guys are going to get together and have a meal and one of you is cooking the meal in charge of actually making it who do mm-hmm. you want to be in charge to have the best outcome there i'd give that to nate nate, nate? Isaac. Okay. he can cook well we're actually neighbors so it's worked out a few times he's he's made a couple meals what's the best thing you've had that he's made jeez he's made some pasta i couldn't even tell you what it was and it's like it's good it's it's good and it's pretty fancy too like (laughs) i i don't make many meals like i make just pasta with maybe some butter and parmesan and just throw some chicken in there but he can he takes pride in it he likes to he likes to cook so i like it that's what i heard from austin too he was right there on the list we got some we got some consistency here Mm -hmm. all right so i'm sure you guys multiple group texts throughout the year throughout the uh throughout the season amongst the team and the players who's the first one to respond to a group text like who's the first one that 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 hits everybody back i'd give that to fife okay yeah he does a good job with that he's been here a long time he's just he knows that people appreciate a response so (laughs) if 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 i'm asking like for someone i need i need something from someone fife's always there for you like he yeah Gotta love that a good job. I know, yep. Mm-hmm. What about the other end? Who's the last one you're going to hear for, like, who who takes the longest to get back in a group text? I'd say probably Landon Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't he, he doesn't either. I don't know. It might just be something with me, but he doesn't reply he very often. <laughs> yeah, he'll, you know, he'll slide into the chat and then look at it and then not say anything. So it's <laughs> like sometimes you got to text him. Right. So if he's not responding to Snapchat, you got to, like, text him. But it's you just, all right, dude? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's talk music. Uh, on the team, 
if someone was going to make a playlist that had a little bit for everybody and so nice nice variety, maybe not just mm-hmm. who would that be that could kind of keep everybody happy with a musical playlist? I think Titan. Titan. Yeah, he's he kind of controls the music in the locker room before a game, during a lift, open gym. He just does a good job. He can mix it up. Like you said, he's got a variety of music. So. Very nice. Yeah. All right, and then finally, what uh, if you're going to go on a long road trip, what teammate do you want uh, do you want to go with you the most? Single teammate on a car trip? Hmm. That's tough because some guys are fun to be with, but you can't be around them for that long. <laughs> so, man, I don't know. I'd I'd go with Nate. He's Nate. like I said, he's fun, but he knows. Like we kind of know when we need some space. Like time. so, just it's like just let the road. Yeah, talk, like right? you don't gotta talk. You could just sit there in silence, listen to some music for a bit. So. It's I like good. that. I'll throw a curveball at you. I've I've talked to people about. I've asked everybody the, the road trip one for the teammate. Which one of your brothers are you taking with you on the road trip? If you could only huh. pick one, which one of your older brothers do you want with you? I gotta take Robert with me now. The okay. oldest. It's changed over time, but I don't see him as often anymore. He's he's working and. It's just I don't see him very often, so that'd be good. Like we all get along great, yeah. but. I just uh, I could catch up with Robert That's for good. quite that makes a, a while. Lot of sense. Yeah, and he's he he travels for work, so I mean he's got some probably cool experiences, yeah. and it's just I feel like I could talk to him for. What's the age like, gap? Like, how old is he? Robert is t- twenty five or twenty six. Okay, and it's like it's one year, one year, one year, okay. one year, and then two years to you. So yeah, so. I'd have to think about that. That's all right. It's, yeah, in but general, it's about a year between all of yeah. you except your two I think years. it's – so there's five of us in six years yeah. is what it is. So okay. it's – yeah, must have been tough growing up Crazy for my house. parents. I yeah. know, it had to be. Like, I was young. I never I, – I didn't experience it firsthand, but – Man, I feel bad for them. A lot of I know I know a lot of food. That's one That's thing. That's true. That was the first thing. Whenever people ask her, like, what's the toughest part? It's feeding all of us. <laughs> Had to be so tough for her. Undoubtedly a saint, both mm-hmm. your mom and your dad. Yeah. <laughs> when you look at the season, what's the thing that excites you the most about getting into it and getting into games? But I'm excited to play play some new teams. Uh, UIC's coming in, Murray yeah. State. But I played with a, uh, Cameron Fence. He went to Hempstead with me. Oh, okay. He's a center, and now he's at Chicago. So, nice. I mean, it'll be fun to play them, travel to new places. And I think just overall getting to travel to some different cities because I didn't travel much last year, right. uh, redshirting. So it'll be nice just to kind of get that road trip experience and see some new schools, see some new cities. It'll yeah. be fun. I'm Me excited. and you both. I'm right there with you. I know. It'll be my first time, so it'll be good. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, Michael, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, looking forward to what you can put on the floor for this team. Thanks so much. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Michael for his time and for joining me on the show. The Panthers sit at 8-8 eight and eight overall and 4-2 and two in Valley play after picking up their last two conference wins over Valpo and Southern Illinois. The final guest on this week's show is former Panther Paul Jesperson, the guard from Merrill, Wisconsin. In 71 games over two years at UNI, notched 593 points with 130 three-pointers made. That total highlighted by his buzzer-beating shot to beat Texas in the first round of the 2016 NCAA tournament. I started my conversation with Paul asking him about the first thing he thinks of when he thinks Panther basketball. I'd say the biggest thing is it's, it is a true family. Um, I know it's tough to kind of feel that when you're in it, um, obviously you feel the love and the acceptance and, um, 
all that stuff when you're a part of it. But then when you get away from it and you're detached and not with the team every day, you realize how close knit those coaches really are. Um, they still check in, um, periodically you'll still get uh, texts on birthdays, Christmases, um, shoot. The whole staff was at my wedding. Um, coach Jake was there. Uh, coach green obviously is at, uh, at, uh, Iowa state now. Um, Derek Natton was there. So it was great to see, see all those guys and, um, for them to come and be a big part of, uh, of my special day. What do you think is the key to this staff? And obviously it starts with coach Jake, but he's, he's had these guys around him too. What do you think it is, is the key to having a program that's like that and that can put the family first and make sure that everybody that's come through, everybody that's been a part of it feels that and knows that this is their family, no matter where they go from here. Yeah, I think those guys have a have a recipe for success. Obviously, that starts with the guys that they're bringing in there. They know exactly who they want, um, the type of players, the type of guys that they want to bring in, um, and they have a, a way of developing those guys when they do come. Um, so, I think uh, that's a huge huge factor to their success. And um, you know, they've been obviously super successful doing that with the NCAA tournaments that Coach Jake has coached in, and um, you see it continuing with guys like AJ green who came through and followed that same, that same path. And now he's, he's having success at the next level. Well, let's, uh, let's lead right into that because you're at that level too, with what you're doing. And now your uh, your post playing career into your now coaching career. Uh, you're on staff with the Hawks player development coach. How do you kind of describe your role to people when they ask what it is that you do? Yeah. So my role is, I guess you could say more behind the scenes. Um, I'm making sure that, uh, the guys who I work with, um, are equipped to go into a game and be successful. Um, so a lot of that is a lot of skill development, um, a lot of post game clips, uh, of them specifically and, and what they're doing. Um, and pregame as well, giving them uh, an idea of how teams are going to guard us and guard them specifically. Um, but it's a lot of behind the scenes, a lot of skill development, I would say is probably the easiest way to explain that. How has that part of the game even changed more? I know you guys were studying film and looking at things and you guys had resources like that to make your games better here. Now that we fast forwarded here to 2022 and what you're doing, how has it changed and advanced even more for the game of basketball using some of those resources that everybody has? Uh, I think the technology continues to evolve. Um, you see different softwares become available to guys. So you have access to a ton of information um, basically right after the game. Um, so you're using that kind of stuff, but as far as, uh, the film piece, just in general, I think that because you play 82 games at this level, personnel and tendencies become so much more important, right? You're limited in practice time, uh, during the season. Now your philosophies and the way you do stuff collectively kind of remains the same, but tendencies and knowing guys personnel is a must have for all these guys because, um, knowing who can shoot, who, who can't shoot, um, which direction these guys like to drive their go-to moves, all that stuff. Um, these guys need, need to have going into games so that they can apply it to how we want to guard them as a team. 
When you think back to the beginning of your time as a college player, was that the type of player that you were already coming in, or did you develop that men- mental side of the game, talking about like wanting to know tendencies and studying what your opponents were doing to make you better on that side? Was that always a part of your game coming straight out of high school, or did, did you have to develop that as you got more and more serious about your playing days? Um, I think that uh, any successful team – you know, does that, uh, our coaches did a great job at you and I of making sure we were prepared, um, walking us through hot plays that we were going to see when we played the team and then giving us a bunch of tendencies that those guys within the team we we're playing, um, we're going to do. So I think it was instilled in me from college, obviously, but, um, I thought it was very valuable as a player. And, uh, I think it's very ba- valuable as a coach now giving that information to your players. Is there anything specific about your time as a Panther that kind of frames how you look at the game now and informs how you kind of help you, the players that you're working with now, whether it's on that tendency side, the skill side, whatever it might be. Is there something that specific that you look back on that you say, Hey, yeah, that's kind of shaped the way I approach what my job is now with the Hawks. I think it's more so uh, big picture type stuff. It's helped me with as far as like, um, demeanor and, um, not getting too high, too low during certain points of the season. Um, like I said, there's so many games here. You're going to go through a stretch games where you lose five, you lose six games in a row. Um, and you know, the temperature of the team can drop a little bit, right? Guys want to win, um, spears can drop for a little bit. So just handling, um, handling adversity a little bit better and, um, vice versa. It goes the same way when we win five or six in a row, not getting too high, not feeling like you're on top of the world. Um, just staying even keeled with things and having the same approach throughout the entire season. Uh, I got to ask this one just because of, of my background. And just when I was looking at, at, at the, uh, the Hawk staff and who you're working with there and who you worked in the G league or in the, uh, the summer league with, I grew up in Southern California. And so I was a Lakers fan and that I, yeah, I got to ride the glory of, of Shaq and Kobe at that point. But when I was an even younger Laker fan, when I first started following the Lakers, that was the Del Harris era. They had Vlade Divac and Eldon Campbell. And the point guard of that team was Nick Van Exel, who you work with. And, and he got to, coach that Hawks squad so I just got what's he like as uh, as a part of that staff what was it like to work with him as a guy who I, I mean I I had no chance to be like him but when I went out and played in junior high I wanted to be like him at that point what uh, what's it like working with him every day what kind of what kind of motivator and coach is he for these guys in the current NBA Nick the quick is great man you would never guess um you would never guess that he was a guy who had as much success as he did in the NBA he just he's great. Um, he's very even keeled. He's very humble. Um, he's great with the guys, great with all the staff. So it's, it's been a pleasure to work with Nick and obviously, you know, he's got some little intrinsic things that, um, he found success when he played, uh, doing, and he's able to relay that information to, uh, to our point guards specifically that, uh, I think has helped them a ton too. And maybe nobody else listening to this is going to care about that. But as soon as I saw that, it took me all the way back, all the way back to my, uh, my early basketball days. Uh, when you look at, uh, when you look at at your journey now, I mean, uh, you've started, you've started to climb the ladder there, working with the Hawks, working your way up to the spot that you are now. Uh, Are you a, a pro ball lifer at this point? And you think that, that's uh, that's where the goal is going to be, or, or might the college game come calling at something at some time for this uh, at some time for you if that opportunity presents itself? 
obviously you, you never know in this profession, right? Um, you could be here one day and be gone the next. So, um, I don't want to close any doors obviously, but I like the overall atmosphere of the NBA. Um, you know, it's a hundred percent basketball. Uh, you're with these guys every day. There's new challenges. Um, and it's same with college, but I kind of like the trajectory I'm on in the NBA. Um, so for right now, obviously I want to stay here and continue to grow, continue to learn, um, and continue to, to, uh, develop as a coach. What other uh, interests have you developed? Uh, I know you're busy and this takes a lot, certainly when you're in season, but since you've been out of school, is there any, anything else that you've gravitated towards as you've uh, moved on to kind of this professional stage of your life now? What, uh, what else does Paul Jesperson get into in uh, whatever free time you have? Uh, I enjoy traveling a lot during the off season. Um, but kind of in season, I would probably just reading. Honestly, I, obviously when we're in college, you're reading stuff that is for your classes and you have homework assignments, all that stuff, uh, to do. But, um, now I just kind of like leisurely reading, um, and it's different things, right? It's, um, stuff to work on your mental. It might be real estate type stuff. So, um, just reading in general, honestly, is kind of, I would have never thought I would say that either. Honestly, when I was in college, I was not a huge, um, uh, pick up a book and read a random book type of guy. But, uh, you know, since I've been out of school, that's, uh, that's something I've kind of dove into a little bit more. And that's probably big, uh, big contributor to that is probably my wife, honestly, cause she, uh, she reads every chance she can get. So what's the best book that you've read this, uh, this past year, past six months? Oof. Uh, there's a couple of Doug Lamove books that I really enjoy. Um, those are more coaching, coaching type books. Um, so I'd probably, I'd probably go with him, honestly. Do you try to spread it out a little bit though? Obviously you're going to try to read up on what you're doing and, and get better, but do you try to go wide with it too, with as far as the subject matter that you're trying to consume in those books? For sure. For sure. I've dove into a couple random podcasts about like real estate investing and stuff like that. Um, I know nothing about that stuff. So it, it, it interests me a little bit, but yeah, I definitely try to uh, verse myself a little bit. Well, you mentioned the travel and that kind of leads us into your, uh, your post-college career. What was your favorite thing about the time that you got to pro play uh, pro ball overseas? Uh, Spain obviously was a great experience. Um, I really enjoyed it over there. I think the biggest thing that I probably took from over there was the adversity that comes with not having anybody over there. Um, so you're really truly on your own. Um, you learn a lot about yourself. Um, obviously there's a language barrier, so you're kind of weeding your way through that, trying to pick up on language and, uh, learn how to communicate with people over there. So I thought I learned a ton about myself in that time. Um, basketball wise, obviously it was great. It was a great experience, different game. Uh, you learn a ton of different things conceptually, um, cause the games obviously played different over there. There's different rules. So overall my, uh, post-college playing experience was, was great. Uh, what about outside of being in Spain for that, uh, that basketball playing experience? What's the best spot, favorite spot that you've traveled since you've been out of school? Um, my favorite place has probably been, I really enjoyed Paris. Um, we went to, uh, France and Italy this year or this, uh, past summer. Paris was, a was a, probably the, my favorite city that I went to over there. There's just so much going on. Um, the city really never sleeps. Uh, there's a ton to do, ton to see. So I really enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed my time over there.
Let's jump into it. How much, uh, how often do you think about the Texas shot and does it ever get old to talk about? Uh, I don't think about it super, uh, you know, uh, a ton, obviously during March, it always, you, you kind of see it on TV and stuff when you're watching the tournament. So it's cool to reminisce on some of that stuff. And, uh, usually around them and I, uh, I'll get on the phone with a couple of the guys that I played with, um, whether it's on the phone or through text. So, um, it's cool to just reminisce on the entire season. Honestly, it brings up so many, so many memories. Obviously we struggled, um, in stretches that year during conference play, um, but kind of fought our way back and found ourselves in a good spot heading into the tournament. So, um, yeah, there's just a ton of memories that come with that. And it's not obviously that specific one of hitting the shot. It's kind of just reflecting overall on the season and, you know, being part of, uh, such a special group, obviously Wes was there, Bull was there, Jeremy, Clint, all those guys. Um, that was a ton of fun that year. When you guys talk about that season, you mentioned there's so many times. I mean, it could be the season before, right? Because you guys are in the tournament before and win a game and, and, and all of that. It, what is the memory and the moment for you guys in your career that sticks out? If it's that, great. But I, when I talked, I mentioned I talked to Kajo and he was around that 2019. And obviously their pinnacle was, was winning that game against Kansas. But he mentioned there's so many other moments during those seasons and during his career that, that were high points and emphatic points in his career. When you guys are talking about it as the actual team after the fact, what are the moments that you guys gravitate to maybe over those two tournament run years? Honestly, it's a lot of like random stuff. It's stuff like being in the locker room after practice, after a game, um, the little stuff where you're just kind of hanging out with the guys and joking around and having a ton of fun. The biggest probably moment I remember though, playing wise was actually it's funny. We were just talking about Missouri state. I think we had dropped a game at Missouri state and it was, I remember we kind of came off a stretch where I think we had beaten Iowa state and we beat like another ranked opponent, North Carolina at home. That's what it was. And then we went to Hawaii, struggled a little bit there, got into conference play and we struggled in conference play. I remember, but Missouri state specifically, we dropped that game. Coach came in and talked to us after the game. And I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was like, guys felt like, I felt that was like the low point of our season. Um, and, you know, coach obviously talked to us post game and stepped out of the locker room. And, uh, I just remember all of us talking Wes was there, Bo was there, Jeremy, obviously Clint, and, um, just talking amongst ourselves, like, which direction do we want this to go? Do we want to keep being an inconsistent team and, um, win a few in a row, drop a few in a row and just see where this thing takes us? Or do we really want to kind of put our heads down and, and get to work and get through this and come out, uh, on the other end, better, a better team and, a better individuals. And I think that's probably the biggest moment that stood out to me, my, uh, my senior year. And, um, obviously able to go on West hits a big shot to send us to the NCAA tournament and have a little success in the NCAA tournament more with Paul in just a moment. Be sure to like and subscribe via the Panther Point of View Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts to hear every episode of the Panther Hoops and Family Podcast. Now more from former Panther Paul Jesperson.
there have been some teams, and, and this year's team, I, I know, like you mentioned, you try to find some scores when you can, but, but kind of the story of this year's squad is is they're young and they're inexperienced, and, and so they've started out a little slow, and now they've put a couple of wins together. And, and as I've looked at that and looked back at some history, including your seasons and some seasons before that, there's been some of those starts where – Things have had to come together early. What do you think it is about this program, Coach Jake, the staff, that allows guys to get into a spot where you can hit that point and say, hey, all right, whatever has happened has happened. we got to take the lessons we've learned, the lumps that we've taken, but now we can choose to move forward and go up and find success. What do you think it is about that program that, that allows that to happen and, and go from those low points and, and just turn it right around and achieve such great things? I think obviously it all starts with coach Jake. He has such a, a unique way about being so level throughout the season. Obviously he gets excited with wins um, and can get a little quiet with, with some losses, but he overall just stays so big picture oriented and stays so like, okay, today we got to get better at this tomorrow. It's this, and just keeps chipping away at it. And, um, his demeanor, you never feel like you never feel like the true stress of if you're struggling and going through tough times as a team, you never truly feel that because of the way he carries himself. Um, obviously I think that's reflected in his staff as well. You go down the line, PJ, KG, when he was there, Crawford, when he was there, um, now you have Tuttle and some of these new guys stepping into roles and, you know, obviously I'm not there on a day-to-day basis, but I got to imagine it's the exact same way. Um, but like I said, that all starts with coach Jake and how he carries himself and, uh, conducts his staff. And I learned a ton from him as we talked about earlier, um, about big picture stuff, about demeanor, about staying kind of even keeled throughout the season. Um, so yeah, he's, uh, he's phenomenal in that regard. Is you've mentioned that now? Then obviously it had an impact on you. But is there anything that you think of when you think of Coach Jake that was a piece of advice or a phrase that he would say to you specifically or to your squads that that kind of rings in your ears as you go throughout your day or throughout your life? Yeah, Coach Jake is the ultimate the ultimate team guy. Um, as far as like he's going to let you kind of play offensively, right? Um, he's going to get on you defer some of the defensive stuff, but he's going to give you so much freedom offensively. His biggest thing is you have to be a team first guy, you know, um, me was never greater than we. Um, and that was really the biggest thing that obviously stuck with me is he, he wanted everybody to buy in so much that, uh, you know, that was the biggest thing, I guess, that he held us accountable to. If he felt like someone was kind of deviating away from that or um, going through like a selfish stage as a player and individual, if he felt that kind of like swaying at all, he had a great way about whether it was kind of getting you, getting on you, jumping you and um, trying to get you to compete and buy in that way or talking to you in a more sensitive way, whatever the way it was for each guy, like he had such a great way of being able to relate with everybody and kind of guide everybody back on that straight and narrow path and, uh, keep everybody working towards one goal. And that's obviously to win games and and be successful postseason. Did you have a favorite teammate that you would, uh, that you would pinpoint from any of your years? Uh, there's a bunch of them, obviously when I was a junior and when I transferred in as a red shirt, uh, Tuttle was great. He, he was one of my roommates, Casey Semler, um, lived with him as well, but Wes, Bo, uh, Clint, all 
all those guys, you know, a few of those guys stood up in my wedding. So, um, I still keep in contact with all of them. Uh, they were all at my wedding too. So, um, I don't necessarily have a favorite teammate. I'm close with all those guys and it'll continue to be lifelong relationships with them. Obviously you were, you know, close there with, uh, with Seth Tuttle and, and he's now doing what he's doing kind of as the, uh, bringing in the offense that the Panthers are, are doing now. Is, is that going to be your type of game? I mean, when you look at it, I know right now that's not necessarily what your role is on the staff, but, but as you move up, are you going to be that offensive minded guy? Or are you going to be the guy that's the X's and O's on the defensive side of things? Yeah. You know, I think, uh, the thing that's, that's cool about the NBA is that, um, obviously you have your offensive and defensive coordinators on most teams. Some teams do it a little bit different, but, um, there's so much, uh, game prep that goes into it, that it shifts, you know, kind of everybody is same in college. Everybody kind of has scouts. Um, so you're able to put or formulate a game plan from the defensive side of the ball and then you present it to whoever that defensive coordinator is and, um, he makes the final calls before you guys go into your coaches meeting. But, um, as far as like what side of the ball I want to really focus on, I, I guess I don't really, um, I don't really have a, uh, particular side that I want to be on. I think I've seen a lot of things, um, from the offensive side of the ball from playing overseas, obviously playing in the G league for a little bit. And then from my college experience and now the NBA, I think I have, uh, you know, well-versed background in that, but, um, both sides of the ball are appealing to me. You need both sides to win. So I'm going to try to keep growing on both sides of the ball and, uh, wherever that takes me, it takes me. So far, my favorite uh, Tut experience was actually in last night's game, and you know the, the Panthers are running their are running their offense, and, and they had run a set to to basically shift everybody to one side, and then they maybe opened up for a skip pass to the weak side corner, and they hadn't hit it a couple of times, and it was late in the game, and, and the, their true freshman Trey Campbell did that from the right wing all the way to the corner, found his guy, turned into a, an open drive along the baseline. He got so fired up, like it was it was just a random bucket, but he was so fired up that the action went the way it was supposed to do you see yourself in that too as a coach like when something that you have worked on with these guys even at the nba level and it clicks the way it's supposed to does that fire you up too yeah it definitely does you know when you see a guy who's able to um you know, kind of transfer the skills that you've worked on, on him with and, and applied in a game setting. That stuff is great. Obviously you want to work so much on the read and react, um, as much as you can to, to mimic a game, but you just don't have the luxury all the time of having five guys on offense and five guys on defense down there. You can break some stuff up in small groups, but when it's just you and him, um, and there's not those other bodies out there, it gets tough for guys to kind of envision what's really going on on the court. So anytime that they can take the stuff that you're breaking down with them in a one-on-one setting and apply it to a five-on-five setting, I think is, is awesome. Um, it's probably one of the most rewarding parts of the job, to be honest with you. At the time, you had uh, the unique experience of being a transfer. Obviously, the way the game has gone now, there's a lot more of that that happens, and and you know for different stories and different reasons. When you came from, made the decision that you were going to transfer from Virginia to go someplace else, what made you and I the right landing spot for you, and eventually clinch that decision that this is where you would come to continue that college career? Yeah, obviously, one of the big things was it was a little bit closer to home. I wanted my parents to be able to see me play a little bit more, um, so that was a big portion of it, but it just felt, it just felt right. It felt like home from day one. Um, obviously I had a relationship with, uh, 
coach green. Um, he, he had known some of my family as well, but, um, as soon as I talked to coach Jake, um, sat down in his office and, and visited with him and got to really know, know him and know what, uh, what he stood for and what he wanted his program to look like. Um, I knew it was, it was the perfect fit. I knew that they were committed to winning. They're committed to uh, developing their players. And uh, it was something I really wanted to be a part of. You mentioned AJ earlier and, and the green connection there. Have you crossed paths with him yet? Uh, whether it was in the summer when he was working there or, uh, or since he's been up a couple of times moving between the G league and the NBA, have you crossed paths with him yet this year? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We got dinner. We got dinner when he was out at summer league. Um, and then, um, obviously we connected when we played them in Milwaukee and, uh, they play, I can't remember if he was actually with the bucks when they played here, but it, it's always quick when it's, when it's those one game road trips, usually it's, you just see him before the game, say what's up to him. And it's, it's kind of bing bang and, and you're on to the next one. But at summer league, we actually got to sit down and visit a little bit. And it was, uh, it was great to just talk to him a little bit and, uh, see how excited he was for the, the incredible opportunity that he had uh, in front of him. How do you kind of describe how exciting that is just, just for the program too. I mean, mostly for AJ for his family, what he has worked towards his whole life, getting there to that pinnacle. And he's still got so much in front of him that he can do right now with what he's showing at, at both levels. But how big is that as someone who has come through this program, has seen the professional ranks now working in the NBA to be able to point and say, yeah, that guy, he was here. He's from Cedar falls to boot. And you know, this is a guy that, that has now done it at that highest level. It's great. Um, and I think that that's, uh, that you got to give those guys a ton of credit, the coaching staff, um, that they truly do develop guys. Um, cause obviously we're seeing now with all the different rule changes in college basketball and the NIL stuff, and it's going to be tougher for, I think, mid majors in general to, to land some of these guys. So they have to really count on getting some of these, you know, lower ranked, if that's how you want to, um, put it, but getting some of these guys to, to come in there and then truly develop them. And, uh, along the way, making those guys feel like this is a, this is a true atmosphere. I want to be a part of It truly is a family so that when they do have success, those guys aren't just up and transferring and getting out of there and trying to move to, uh, you know, a power five school or whatever. So, um, it's, it's great for the program though. And it's great for, you know, coach Jake and the staff and, um, everybody involved. I think it, it becomes uh, more appealing for, for guys to come and be a part of that. And I think that the more recruits that they can get in there and just, even if it's, you know, weekend visits and football games, but anytime you can get those guys on campus and they can really be around the team and staff, I think it's, it's an easy place to fall in love with. By the time you got to UNI, you had obviously come from Wisconsin, started the college career at UVA, and then you come here. With those experiences in some other places and other communities, what do you think it is that, that makes Cedar Falls and the community around UNI such a special place for guys that were in your shoes now, guys that are at the uh, the collegiate athlete level? Well, first first off, Coach Jake does a, does a great job of making sure that that they're part of the community, you know, um, of getting out there and really being involved with the community. And I think the community loves that obviously, and they fully support these guys. Um, you see them coming out into crazy snowstorms and stuff, coming to the game, supporting. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing is he's made that a priority, um, that, 
that those guys are going to be going to be a face around Cedar Falls and they're going to be seen around Cedar Falls. And I think the, the community has kind of, you know, backed those guys and, and truly supported them, um, whether they're having a down season or a great season. The follow-up to that, I guess, and some of it's probably going to go hand-in-hand, but when I say the McLeod Center, what's the first words uh, to describe that place and playing in there that comes to mind? Oh, when that thing is rocking, it's rocking. Um, I still remember the uh, the North Carolina game, um, obviously the Wichita State games, but it gets so loud in there when they when students come out, you know, fans come out, and um, – you know, they're really into the game and it's a close game. It's, uh, it's incredible in there. It's electric. Um, you can barely hear each other talk. Coach Jake is in huddles. You can barely hear what he's saying at times cause it's so loud in there. So, um, man, that puts a smile on my face, even thinking about some of the, uh, some of the atmospheres that, that we got to play in while I was there. What about the, uh, the rest of the Valley? Did you have a, uh, a least favorite stop that you always had to make, whether it was for the fans being too much on you, the environment, what it was, what was the least favorite spot that, uh, that you wanted to go? I don't know if I had a least favorite. Um, I'd say my favorite probably was, was probably Wichita just because it was the same thing there. Um, those fans were ruthless. They were loud as heck. And those environments are so fun to play in. Um, what even if obviously it's not our fans there, even though we we did have a decent amount of people travel um, when we play those guys, but anything that was loud and um, the fans were into it and the fans are talking crazy, those were the environments that that uh, were a ton of fun to be a part of. So I don't know if I necessarily have a least favorite though. All right, then, then the final question to kind of wrap it up. Let's put you in a hypothetical where you uh, you run across somebody just in, in the day-to-day life that finds out that you went to UNI and that you were a Panther. They don't know any of the rest of the history. They don't know about the shot. They don't know uh, you know the success you guys had in the tournament, but they say, oh, I've heard of UNI. Uh, I, I know a little bit about what it means to be at a mid-major program in the Valley, whatever it is. What would you try to express to that person it is that makes the Panthers and this program so special. I think you just keep going back to the, to the, uh, the family atmosphere. Um, that stuff is irreplaceable because it's not like that everywhere. Um, it's really, it's just truly is not. Um, so to have something that is that unique, um, and to have a head coach that cares as much as coach Jake cares and to have a staff that's, emotionally and and mentally as locked in as they are and um to have a staff that's as prideful to be a uni panther as that staff is that staff or that uh that stuff is is irreplaceable um so i think i would continue to reflect back on the true family atmosphere that that really is and that's while you're there and after you're done there well, Paul, I appreciate you uh, you sharing that. I know in your career that certainly has uh, has shown itself to be true, and so I thanks thanks for taking the time and sharing all that. And uh, best of luck the rest of the season. I appreciate it. You too. Thanks to Paul and Michael Duags for joining Hoops and Family this week. That'll do it on another edition of the Panther Hoops and Family podcast. Join me again next week for another episode for more great conversations about Panther basketball. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Panther Point of View wherever you get your podcast to never miss an episode of Hoops and Family or any of the other great content covering Panther basketball and beyond. 
I'm J.W. Cox. Thanks for listening. This is Panther Basketball from Learfield. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.